Precious God, ancient of days, please, through alchemy of great spirit, break open these ancient words for us this day and help us to have the courage to hear your word to each one of us. Through the living word, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. So this week again, in our lectionary readings, we are still in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, at the beginning of Matthew's ministry, begins this sermon and unpacks what is he understands to be core to who and how God is. And there's so much going on in the section that we heard today, which is coupled together with some of the hard sayings. But I want us to zoom in and talk about divorce first because so much damage has been done by taking this passage out of context. And I feel like we need to start there and then we can go back. Across denominations in the Christian tradition and in some denominations more than others, words like these of Jesus are taken out of context and used in extraordinarily damaging ways. You may know this from personal experience. You may know this from those close to you. People who are in abusive marriages are told to stay because Jesus says divorce is wrong. Or toxic relationships, people are told to stay because divorce is wrong. This kind of understanding has done so much damage to individuals, to children, to families, to communities. So that's why I want us to dive into what's actually going on in this passage because what Jesus is actually doing here in this part of the Sermon on the Mount is disrupting patriarchy, disrupting misogyny. So context first always. This is the context. In the common era when Jesus is ministering, when these Gospels are being written, women had very few legal rights. In Jewish tradition, women could not divorce their husbands. Only husbands could divorce their wives. Different traditions in Greco-Roman context slightly, but not absolutely. And men could divorce their wives, quote, if they displeased them, unquote. I just want to read you a little bit from Deuteronomy 24. Suppose a man enters into a marriage with a woman, but she does not please him because he finds something objectionable about her. So he writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand, and sends her out of his house. So in the patriarchal context in which these laws are upheld, this left women in incredibly vulnerable situations. There's no social security. If you have been divorced by your husband, the shame that is heaped upon you is hard for us to fathom. So whether you're even included or welcome back into your own family of origin is a question. To even be born as a woman is seen as inherently shameful in this context. And here in Matthew, Jesus is disrupting this mentality. This whole worldview, this patriarchal, entitled worldview of men, not that I'm saying all men participated in it, but it's a structural system that if she displeases you, you just cast her out. Jesus said, you've heard about this certificate stuff, but I say to you something else. Jesus 
Jesus is disrupting this notion that if a woman happens to be displeasing, she can just be discarded. He's saying, no, actually, women are people. And if you divorce her, you're causing her to commit adultery. Why? Because she's a person. She's not an object. She is not an object to be discarded. She is a person of dignity. The shocking nature of what Jesus is saying about marriage and divorce is expanded even further in Matthew's Gospel. In Matthew 19, Jesus speaks again about divorce and talks about God's dreaming for men and women to um, form this extraordinary unity and that it was not God's dreaming that men just discard women when they don't displease them. And do you know what the male disciples say, according to the text? <laughs> if such is the case of a man with his wife, it's better not to marry. Jesus is entirely, entirely disrupting patriarchal and misogynistic constructions of what a person who a woman is. She's not an object to be discarded. She is a person of dignity. And God's dreaming is for unity between the sexes. So it's tragic that through the centuries, Jesus' radical words that disrupt this mindset, this hatred of women, this dismissal of women have been twisted and turned into yet another weapon to abuse and legitimate the abuse of women. These teachings about divorce are not calling for women or men to stay in abusive relationships. Instead, Jesus is here disrupting the patriarchal bias that would see women as lesser beings, as disposable objects, and as marriage being about the self-interest of one party. There's so much to lament in our church's tradition. And there is so much that needs to change if we want to follow Jesus. And can I just say, when marriages fail, if we here dare to call Jesus our Lord, then we know how God treats those who fail or sin. Because in Jesus, the Lord, we see what God is like and Jesus welcomes and forgives and heals But there's even more radical stuff just in this section of the Sermon on the Mount, and I want us to explore it too. Did you notice what Jesus says about the male gaze? These words are so important, have been utterly ignored. In our global village, where the Me Too campaign has erupted over recent years and brought to the surface the pervasive reality of the sexual abuse of women, the predatory nature of so much masculine culture, not all men, but the structural systems that have allowed this to occur. Across cultures, we know that women are more targeted for sexual violence and harassment. And that most often, in many, many cultures, including ours, those women are then blamed for that behaviour. Shouldn't have worn that, shouldn't have walked there at night. And what does Jesus say here in the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus lays the blame for this kind of behaviour completely at the feet of men. 
I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust in his heart has already committed adultery with her. The responsibility for this kind of behaviour, Jesus says, lies with men and their attitudes towards women and their objectification of women. And he's pretty clear about how dramatic their behaviour should be in response. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. According to Jesus in Matthew's Gospel, men are responsible for their own objectification of women and they should not be doing this and they should take action to stop doing this. And while Jesus is, I assume, speaking in Jewish rhetorical flourish about literally plucking out us, I don't think it's meant to be literal. It's certainly a very dramatic way of saying, wake up. These are people Women are people. Do not treat them like this. It is astonishing to me that across the Christian church, when in the Gospels Jesus is so clear about men being responsible for their own inappropriate behaviour towards women, that in the church women have not only been abused but have been blamed for this abuse. There is much to lament. There is much to change in our church if we want to follow Jesus. Throughout this whole section of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' central call is for radical integrity. That our inner lives, our inner emotions, and commitments actually align with how we speak and act. Jesus is speaking of the kind of damage that still happens even in private if we're calling someone a fool and then being nice to them in public. Jesus is talking about a radical alignment, a radical authenticity where our inner life reflects our outer lives. Our yes is our yes. That we don't walk around being nice on the outside and simmering in fury on the inside. That we do the hard work of facing our anger, facing the conflicts and working for peace. I think this is a particularly challenging call in Australian context because we have a big cultural preference for keeping the peace, being nice, don't make a fuss and then going home and letting fly about the other people at least in Anglo-Celtic culture. But the call's still there. Other cultures are much more comfortable with face-to-face -face fighting, sorting it out and moving on. For Australians, I think this is a bigger call. But the call is there. The call is to be far braver in our relationships and embody authenticity. Step up into who we are, our true selves. Share our actual thoughts, even when it means having hard conversations. And of course there are times when we need wisdom about whether it's safe or not to do so, but the call remains to enter authenticity. It's a deeply challenging call, but it ultimately is one of liberation because it's about putting down the facades and beginning to speak our truth, to be honest, to be compassionate, 
and not because of our fear of hellfires. We just need to unpack this before we go. This word, there's a little footnote at the, in the translation that you've got that says this hellfires is literally Gehenna. It's a place. It's actually a place. It's the rubbish dump. It's become the rubbish dump. And it is actually on fire a lot of the time, way of burning up the rubbish. So when Jesus says, beware the hellfire, the Gehenna fire, he's not talking about pronged little pitchforks and red ears and tails. It's a metaphor of waking up. You're living in rubbish if you're not living in authenticity. It's a wake-up call. Not a punishment threat. So each of us, wherever we are on our journey, we're called into liberation by Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us, into the freedom of having integrity of our inner life, reflecting our outer life, and of treating each person we meet not as an object, not as an enemy, but as a person of dignity made in the image of God who is, like us, a child of God. Here we're invited into the spaciousness of divine reality where grace and truth flow. Amen.